Today on Locked On Red Wings, where are the Florida Panthers at in the Atlantic Division? We do a crossover with Armando Velez of the Locked On Florida Panthers. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the daily JAWWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's the host over at Locked On Tigers as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today we welcome back Armando Velez, the host of the Locked On Florida Panthers, reigning Eastern Conference champions. Armando, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. And how are you doing? Answer all three of those questions in consecutive order. <laughs> doing well. Great to be off a playoff run and great to actually be home in South Florida for the week. Uh, just getting getting a, a travel down back home for leisure, but also doing a podcast at the same time. So great to be uh, to be back just for a few days. And hey, uh, two, three, four weeks until training camp. Uh, getting ready. Can't wait, guys. <laughs> We got the prospects tournament here in uh, Traverse City in just a couple of weeks where Toronto, Dallas, Detroit, and Columbus, I believe, are going to be facing off with their top prospects. So we got something to look forward to with the Detroit Red Wings. But Armando, it was kind of a wild season for your Florida Panthers last year. And I remember we did a preseason crossover last year, and there was a huge shakeup for you guys. You lost Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto. You brought in a new head coach. You had acquired... Uh, Matthew Kachuk, the better of the Duke Kachuk brothers. And you went on the record and said, coming off of a President's Trophy season, that you expected the team to slide. Now, I don't know if you intended for the team to slide as much as they did in the standings, literally not making the playoffs until the last possible moment, uh, getting that one extra point over what was the Buffalo Sabres to make it in with, I think, eight, was it eight, 92 points made the playoffs 92. this past year? So, you were correct. The team did slide and they struggled during the regular season to find that groove going into the next year. You know, where on that spectrum from president's trophy winners to sneaking in on the wild card. Do you think your Florida Panthers are going to be? It's crazy because uh, this time around coming into this, you don't have the a whole bunch of dead cap on your roster, but at the same time, you're going to have two players who are going to likely go on LTIR to start the season in Brandon Montour and Aaron Ekblad. Just, it's crazy to think because I was actually out at lunch with one of the other reporters uh, today. And we were, we had two hours of off the record Florida Panthers talk. And we were talking about Aaron Ekblad and all how he scored a goal in game five of the Stanley cup final with a broken leg and, and problems with his uh, shoulder as, as well. And, and Brandon Montour, great first half of the postseason, fell off offensively, but still was uh, made made uh, made a huge impact in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And those two are going to be out for the first uh, few weeks of the season, maybe a month. There's no exact timeline on their their uh, their recoveries as well. But as far as the as far as the moves that the Florida Panthers have made, they made guys who have a little bit of something to prove. Oliver Ekman Larson is one of them. And, and and another and another one is Mike Riley, who was a bought, bought who got bought out by the Boston Bruins, the President's Trophy winning Boston Bruins as well. And then and then they they were never going to sign Radko Gudis at the turn at the cap hit that he wanted. If I was saying in the middle of last season that 
if you were going to bring Radko Gudis back, it was only going to be at a one-year deal, two-year deal max. But they were they weren't they were never going to make that contract work for uh, Radko Gudis. So you bring in a Nico Mikola as as well in the mix and a, a Panther that has been back um, for the first time in seven years who did in fact play with Paul Marie. So there's that familiarity factor in Dmitry Kulikov as well. And there's also actually an opportunity uh, because Bill Lindsay, a uh, Panther great actually went on the official Panthers podcast, spoke about how the Panthers got off to a better start in, in 97 and, and, and all. And the fact that it could be the same thing this time around, especially the fact that, Matthew Kachuk is in the mix for a, a, a whole year. Paul Maurice is in the mix um, with, with this core for a whole season as, as well. The fact that they're not getting into the whole get-to-know-each-other phase as well, I think that's going to be very beneficial for the Florida Panthers. And it, you, don't, you don't know what kind of momentum the goaltending can bring into this season with what, the run that Sergei Bobrovsky has, has had. But... I, I mean, how can, how can you not leave that playoff run with such a good a good feeling on where Sergei Bobrovsky was? That fact that he went like supernova in the in the in the second round in the Eastern Conference Final. How can you not feel good about the goalie situation? Well, it, you know, I, I want to give you even more credit too, because like not only did you know what when you we, we crossed over before last season, did you say like, oh, I expect a little bit of a slide, but for them to still be in the playoff mix. Then again, like right before the season ended, you said like no one should want to face this team in the playoffs. And that ended up being true, too. So you really just like nailed the entire Panthers season last year, really from start to finish, which is very impressive. I want to give you your flowers there, but uh, go a little bit more in depth on the goalie situation specifically. Like obviously, Bob, as you just mentioned, like did go supernova. Um, I, I He's just had such a roller coaster of a career where like we have seen him be literally the best goalie on the planet at several times throughout his career and we have seen him become like you know why they consider to be the worst contract in the NHL because he's like struggled so much at different times as well so like it's just this all the nebs and flows that come with Bob like what precautions I guess I would is how I would word it like are in place so that like if Bob, you know, can carries that momentum into the season and he's just like, you know, back to Vesna candidate Bob, then like you're good. But if he hits those valleys, which he is very, very prone to do, what what is the overall goaltender situation look like for you this year? Well, chances are because Spencer Knight is waivers uh, exempt, he's he there's actually a good chance that he starts in the AHL, but Anthony Stolarz has a has a sample size of 81 games in his in his NHL career, not full season by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I said on my show that Anthony Stolarz, as far as the Anaheim Ducks team, that that team gave up four more shots average per game than the next closest team. So chances are that Anthony Stolarz could be in a far better situation with the Florida Panthers as, as far. And the fact that Last year, they went away from that run-and-gun style. That Even though the Panthers still produced a lot of shots, I mean, they, they lost the second-most games in the NHL when out-shooting their, their opponent last year. So it just goes to show that shot volume is not necessarily the key to, to winning. And they, and they, uh, they changed uh, their, their approach to a more puck-possessing team, low-scoring. Low, low, low and that, that contributed itself to the postseason as well. As far as the backup situation, you know, you you work with what you got. Alex Lyon, he was gonna he after 
helping the Panthers get to the playoffs, they knew that he was going to get an opportunity elsewhere uh, as well. So that's why you had to they had to make sure that they at least got someone with a little bit of experience in Anthony Stolarz, knowing that Alex Lyon was going to walk. And what can we expect from uh, Alex Lyon, too? Now he is a Detroit Red Wing or quite possibly a a Grand Rapids Griffin to start the season. Um, Is he a guy that the Red Wings can actually like rely upon in a 1B role if need be? Or is it it one of those guys where you call up if injuries occur? It's funny because uh, Alex Lyon's first dose of of action actually came in January when when Sergei Bobrovsky pulled uh, what looked to be his groin uh, in Montreal. Alex Lyon came in, the Florida Panthers. That was one of the four games where the Florida Panthers scored seven goals on the Montreal Canadiens. I think they averaged seven goals a game against Montreal last season. And then, you know, he he dealt with a lot of high-scoring games. There was one specific game against the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, in January. Uh, and, and starting on a back-to-back against the New York Rangers and Penguins in that time. So he And Paul Maurice had to rely on Alex Lyon quite a lot last season as far as as far as when both Sergey Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight were down, because Spencer Knight was in the players' assistance program uh, last season in uh, around February, I'm, I'm not sure the exact date on the top of my head, but needed Alex Lyon, and he, yeah, he's going to be, he's 30, about to be 31 years old. I don't know what his uh, birthday is exactly, but has been around, has been around the NHL, won, won a Calder Cup when he was part of the Carolina Hurricanes uh, organization as well. So he is more than capable of carrying a load and and look, it manifested itself in with the Florida Panthers going six, one and one down the stretch after losing four straight. He, he, he helped them get there. And um, yeah, uh, Alex Lyon is likely not going to be the number one starter in Detroit, uh, but depending on how, how, what happens with James Reimer as well for, for the Detroit Red Wings, uh, we could see him in, in a, in a few starts here and there. Awesome. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to turn things over to Armando to ask us some questions about our Red Wings. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 of NFL Sunday ticket from off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and visit and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Segment two. Oh, oh, I thought I was starting, but you can go ahead. Oh, I was going to. Say segment two, Locked On Red Wings podcast <laughs> crossover with Locked On Florida Panthers. We're going to turn things over to Armando. Armando, Armando, take it away. Yeah, and and thank you once again to you guys for doing this crossover with me, and thankful for all the listeners of Locked On Red Wings and Locked On Florida Panthers for making us your first listen of the day. And guys, I want I want to discuss more about really. Now with the Detroit Red Wings, they've had one season under Derek Lalonde. And I was looking at the comparisons a lot between the 2022 season where they had 74 points to 80, 80 points uh, the, this last season. And some people might say, oh, six points. It might not be much of, um, that much of an improvement. There's, But looking at things like goal differential as well, that one is way lower than what it was uh, the, the, the season before. Power plays w- was better. Scoring to, scoring has been better, but hey, 
now it's going to be even better with the addition of Alex Debrinkit, who's a two-time 40-goal scorer. And I know Brian went on the Monday edition of Locked On NHL said that's some people might say it's a comparison because he played with Patrick Kane, but and and is a guy who plays bigger than his size. But also, I, I noticed that with the Detroit Red Wings that they scored more goals per game even with less shots. So it looks like that what Derek Lalonde is is implementing there is is slowing of the pace down in in his in his, in, in the way that he coaches his team. Um how how do you how did you guys uh process the improvement from from the the year before to to this past year? Well, there was a lot and, and like it's it's so interesting looking at the last two off seasons like even outside of Lalonde you know, last summer was a lot of additions, not necessarily top end talent, but a, a lot of additions to improve depth. And we all expected a step forward. And it was the first year under the loan, as you just said. And like we we expected a step forward, but we maybe expected a little bit of growing pains early on as well, just getting acclimated to the new system. But uh, the Wings actually got off to a really hot start, like pretty much out of the gate this past year. And, you know, as the season went along, you know, slowly kind of fell further and further back. Um, and they they were really bitten by the injury bug at the very end of the season as well. But um, I, I think the biggest thing, to your point, like the, the system is so, like, I, I don't want to make, like, <laughs> I don't say this insultingly. Like, I'm not trying to make it sound like, oh, anybody can do it. But like, it's so simple. Like, it really is. And like, all the players have said the same thing. Uh, like that was one of the first things Larkin said last, like last training camp was like, yeah, the, the system is awesome. It's really effective, but it's super simple and like easy to kind of plug and play in. And I think that we saw the fruits of that this, this past season. And so uh, it, it definitely is, is defensive and, and possession based. Absolutely. Um, it, it's not going to be like the most uh, electric, you know, like high flying, like they're not going to be the avalanche tomorrow. Right. Like it, it's definitely uh <laughs> Uh, a, a puck possession and defensive based thing. Um, but it's just, it's still such a just breath of fresh air compared to what we had pre Lalone, which was just like, basically just like park the bus. Like there's going to be no offensive opportunities. Like you said, the shots went, went down, but the goal scoring went up. Like the, there was, there was no offensive game plan whatsoever before the loan got here. And so I think the increase in talent two off seasons now, like not only to this year, like this team added a boatload of players and they're all like middle six or bottom four, uh, like on the defensive side, like either middle six or bottom four players that, that are like really improve this team's depth. So I, I think that expectations are high. I think people expect another step forward, but um, as I'm sure we'll talk about later, you know, this division's a toughie. Yeah. I mean, to add on to that, it, it, it was honestly great to see the improvement that the team made last year, but also, you know, recognize that it's not quite enough. The team still on game day to day basis kind of got shelled. Um, there were still a lot more blowouts than one would be happy with. And and if you want to be honest, if I want to be candid, you know, it's hard not to improve after how bad they were the year prior with the fi- in the final year of Jeff Blaschel with that roster that they had. So, you know, while it's great to see the improvements that they made, it is hard. It, you also have to keep in mind, like, how much of that improvement was just the roster being better. And I, I do think Lalone's strategy has worked. He's very big on low event. 
very big on defense. He, he came over from Tampa Bay saying just that. He wanted to build a team that resembled the Tampa Bay Lightning strategy where it's just defense, defense, defense. And if you look at most charts, they were a fairly low event team overall. They didn't get – there were some games where, yes, they got caved in, like I just said, but for the most part, a lot of their games were low-scoring games. Um, for And that can be frustrating at times because, like you said, Armando, they don't take a lot of shots uh, either. So it can end up being like uh, – we had a lot of games that were like sub-30 shots for both teams, and you're just like nothing is happening. And you're trying to break down to this game, and you're like – I don't know what to break down. Nobody got into the offensive zone for either team. But, I mean, the improvements for were there for sure, without a doubt. And it's going to be on this year to really prove that those improvements can prove themselves to be a trend rather than like a new regime change just happened to get better by, you know, coincidence. Like this is the year they really have to take that next step towards contention. Yeah, and I'm 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 noticing as well that what Steve Eiserman is doing for Detroit is is bringing guys who have been on extended playoff runs as well. I, do I still think that the Detroit Red Wings are pretty top heavy with the Brinket um, as as far as the pro- um, projected lines with Raymond Larkin and Debrinket? Yeah, I I do I I do see that it's can be a little uh, top heavy, but still, you look at the I look at the guys who have been on extended playoff runs like a, a JT Comfer who who's who's the Stanley Cup uh, champion. David Perron, who's been to the Stanley Cup final as well. And and the fact that, you know, Jeff Petrie, they get him at a discount. I mean, the <laughs> amount of trains that, that happened to get him not at his $6.25 million. And Ben Schrott being there for another uh, season as well, uh, regardless of of what uh, what people think about, you know, the signing. And, I, I mean, the Florida Panthers did trade a first-round pick for him, so we, we kind of relate as far as uh, Ben Sherratt there. But the decor has had a, 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 a big turnover as well. Uh, the Panthers were in on Shane Gossespierre as well, but they were not willing to give him $4 million uh, a, a season. South Florida native of uh, Shane Gossespierre as well. And I, they did uh, bring in uh, Justin Hull from the, the Toronto Maple Leafs there as well. And here's another one, Daniel Sprung as well, who was, who was le- left off of the Seattle, Seattle Kraken as well. So there's a there's a lot of turnover. Which one? Which one? Which would you say is your favorite uh, acquisition for the the Wings this offseason? Outside of Debrinket? <laughs> yeah, outside of Debrinket. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I mean, we've done a lot of these conversations about underrated guys that we think the Red Wings have gotten. I think Scotty and I usually both fall somewhere between the Daniel Sprong or the. Um, Shane Gostas bear as our favorite guys that the Red Wings have gotten just because, I mean, Daniel Sprong is a guy we think that can provide a huge offensive uh, offensive spark to the bottom six depth scoring was a huge issue for the Red Wings last year. It was really just Dylan Larkin and David Perron were the ones who scored most of the points for the Red Wings last year. So getting guys in the bottom six going to score goals is huge. And I mean, with the trading away of Phil Peronic, the team really lo- uh, lacked a offensive punch on the back end as well. And Shane Gostas bear addresses that need and probably, dresses that need and then some on top of what uh, Philip Peronic brought and plus one year deal. If the season goes south here to a tra- uh, playoff contender. Yeah. I, I, for me, it's, it's pretty, pretty comfortably ghost. I, I, I'm such a big fan of Gostas Baron. Um, I am very excited about what he brings to this blue line, just the offensive presence that he'll bring, you know, like cider is, is so good. And, uh, but to your point about being top heavy, like, you know, if you have if you have Cider, Larkin, and Debrinket all on the ice at the same time, then like you need consistent scoring 
elsewhere. And like Ghost has the ability to kind of, I mean, honestly, be a like a goal scoring threat from the blue line when, you know, that top unit is not on the ice, but also like play quarterback a little bit too. And then like, he's probably going to get a look on power play too. And um, like he, yeah, that that's, I think that that is such a dynamic. I don't expect him to be here long-term because I expect him to play well and get a big contract next off season somewhere. But uh, I'm very, very thrilled about that addition, but yeah, just really across the board. Like when, when the free agency ended, we were kind of looking around. We were like, this is good. Like we didn't get any top end talent. So like it's somewhat. I don't. Wanna, I don't think we ever used the word disappointing. Maybe we did, but like underwhelming. Maybe it was more like accurate. Like it was like okay. Like we we improved the depth a lot, which is important to your point. Like top heavy, yes. Like we we needed more depth production. Um, and then once the DeBrinket trade happened, it was kind of like wow, this off season really did come together. Um, I'm not going to say perfectly. Like this isn't even close. To, like the best roster in the NHL or anything, but. Like it really did come to a point. Like you, you got a more top end goal scoring. You needed goal scoring very, very badly. It was your biggest team need going into the season. You got a top end goal score, and you signed what like ten free agents or something ridiculous, and uh, really addressed the the depth production as well. So at, as far as just like addressing needs, whether they got you know like bona fide top end like players at all those needs is definitely uh, pro- answer is just probably no, or at least is yet to be determined but they certainly address them to some some extent really across the board yeah i mean roster to roster this is a much better team than it was last year um it might like scotty said it might not be the best team in the nhl even with all the acquisitions because a lot of those acquisitions you know none of them are top tier talent outside of maybe to but roster to roster this team is so much better than it was last season and if this scheme that alone is implementing takes a step forward like we think it will the team could be in a much better position to compete in the 2023-24 season yeah yeah, and that'll give us an opportunity to talk about where the Detroit Red Wings uh, are as far as the echelon of the teams that are ready to break through. Ho- at least the the guys from Locked On Red Wings are hoping, and that is something that we are going to discuss next in our third and final segment of this special crossover edition between the Locked On Panthers and Locked On Detroit Red Wings. All right, guys. Well, welcome. First of all, welcome back to this special crossover edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and Locked On Detroit Red Wings. I'm Armando Velez from Locked On Panthers here with Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley of Locked On Red Wings. And guys, a lot of offseason conversation, especially even our own network, Locked On NHL, has spoken about the three teams in the Atlantic that could possibly break through rebuilding timelines. And for Steve Eiserman, never makes a guarantee as far as his 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 rebuild. Something that is very is very well known as far as as far as how he discusses his team to the media. Even even asking him an opinion about a player, Steve Eiserman's like, why would I want to give an opinion on that? That he's <laughs> tipping his hand, and and possibly someone could trade up ahead of of said player. So just an interesting character that Steve Eiserman is. But I, I, I want to ask you guys just about the Iser plan and also when it comes to Ottawa and Buffalo as far as where the Detroit Red Wings stand as far as them breaking through, where where, where do you think that they, they do in fact stand? I mean, it's tough. Like, <laughs> it's, it, it's for me, I mean, we've been talking about all offseason. You know, we, we've obviously gone in depth on the additions that the Wings have made this entire episode and 
and, and that like this roster is better. Uh, but mm-hmm. finding a 10 point point, like 10 point improvement within this division, I think is probably the biggest hurdle. Like we can talk about, you know, like, like to how many goals does he have to score for it to be worth it? Um, Lucas Raymond has to take a step forward in production. Like he had kind of a down sophomore year, like goaltending still somewhat of a question mark of the wings. Like we can talk about all that, but like at the end of the day, this roster is better than a roster that got 80 points. And like, where are you going to get those 10 to 12 points this season that you're going to need to like be a, a playoff team in this division? Like that's, it's a tall, it's a really tall order. And, and um, I, I really like what Buffalo did last year. Um, I, I think that they are to me, like they're the team that you're going to have to, how do I word it? Like if, if me from the future in like May of 2024, like was standing in this room with me, and was like, Hey, the wings finish ahead of the Sabres. I'd be like, okay, we're probably in the playoff picture, at least late in the season. If not like are making the playoffs. Like to me, that's the team that they really have to kind of overtake. But then Ottawa, I, I mean, golly, I'm just so exhausted of comparing right. <laughs> the wings and the Sens, man. Like it, it's just, it's been too, I've been the co-host on this show for two and a half years now, like this, this February will be three years. The My entire tenure on this show, I have done nothing but compare these two franchises. Like it's been a thing for so long and it's going to continue to be a thing. And it's like, I, I, they have young talent. They absolutely could break through. Um, I, I think it's tough, man. I think the wings have put themselves in a position to do so. I would say that it would be between the wings and the savers right now for that like last spot, but you almost kind of have to bank on one of the big four at the top falling as well. And like, I don't, I think that's far from a guarantee. So it's, it's, it's very difficult. I'm not even sure if I answered mm-hmm. your question in that mess, but like, it's, it's incredibly difficult. I mean, again, you don't want to, you don't want to sit on a fence or cop out on the answer, but I'm with Scotty that it's, it's almost too hard to predict because mm-hmm. the Buffalo Sabres last year were just an absolute glass cannon. They scored so many goals. But Tate had, was one of my favorite players in the entire NHL. Legitimately. Tate Thompson, yeah. He's so fantastic. Fun to watch, but they have no defense. Like they yeah. scored some of them. I think they, they're in the top 10 in goals scored, but in the bottom 10 in goals against. Like they don't they don't play defense. And so if they want to make, and they, with that being said, they still missed the playoffs by one point. So mm. if they can improve their defense even just a little bit, you know, they're right there. Like they have the offensive talent. They just got to get better in the net and in uh, yeah, on defense. The Ottawa Senators, they have some, I think they're neck and neck in terms of like young talent. Tim Stutzla is, is fan freaking tastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, Batherson, Sanderson, all those guys are, are so great. Uh, they have the same issue the Wings do, though, where it's goaltending. You know, goaltending is a huge question mark for both these teams. And mm. yeah, they beat up on the Wings a little bit last year, especially in that back to back. But I don't think that the two teams are that far apart. I think that was a situation where in back-to-back games, the Ottawa Senators got in the wings head and it, it's going to really more come physical too, which is way something more fi- the wings tried to address this year. Absolutely. Something the wings did, did definitely addressed in the offseason this year. So, I mean, I think those two teams are neck and neck. I, it could really go any of those three ways. And like Scotty said, it's going to be tough to tell with the, with the Ottawa Senators or with the, Buffalo Sabres, if any of, of our three teams can make it is going to largely depend on who at the top slides. And I don't think Toronto's sliding. I think they're too good to slide, um, at least in the regular season. 
I don't think that Tampa Bay is going to slide out of a playoff spot. I think Florida Panthers are probably going to be better this year than they were in the regular season last year, which I'm going to ask you about in a second. I think Boston is like the one who's primed Mm -hmm. to fall finally, but I've been saying that year in and year out. I think even though I said this last year, I think this is the year because they lost Bergeron and Krejci. So now Pavel Zaka is their number one center. I don't think he's good enough to make, you know, carry them. But then, yeah, I mean, but it's um, also so tough with Boston because like they could drop, they could lose 25 points and still be in a hundred point team. (laughs) Like they could fall significantly and still be one of the better teams in the NHL because that's how good they were last year. Like you're talking about like a, like if they were to slide that far, you're talking about literally like a 40 point drop, which is just like, I guess unprecedented because we haven't seen a team like rise that high before, like literally ever. But I, I don't like that's a that's a really steep drop. And and I know I, I, I want to ask Armando the same thing mm-hmm. that I'm sure Brian was alluding to there, which is just, you know, we're talking about where we slide. And if there's an opening for the wings like, hey, where do you stand on on the wings sneaking in? But also for your own team like that, that big four has just been so interchangeable for so many years mm-hmm. now. How do you think it, it plays out this year? Yeah, and and let's also not forget that the Boston Bruins also have four point five million in in uh, on their salary uh, cap due to bonuses from the from from Bergeron and Krejci, and they're not even going to play on the roster this year, so they're going to be tied up against the cap as well. Uh, so that's there's a possibility there. And you said it's going to be hard for a team to drop four, 40 points. I mean, the Florida Panthers dropped thirty points uh, from Presidents Trophy to <laughs> wild card spot. So. Don't don't necessarily count that out uh, specifically, but I mean that that team set records the the Boston Bruins in, in 2023. So there there is definitely that possibility. Does Linus Allmark play at a Vesna Trophy level again, and the whole tandem a Jennings Trophy uh, level? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. I do think that Buffalo is the is the team is out of the three well positioned if they can get the defense uh, fixed. But here's the thing with Ottawa. Detroit does not have a general manager and a head coach on the hot seat like Ottawa does. With I know new ownership is coming in for 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 Ottawa, so they might want to get their own guys in the mix as well. So there's a lot of pressure. It feels as if Detroit might not have as much pressure. Maybe that might be coming more from the fans more than ownership as well because when you've been around for for over a hundred years and you have eleven Stanley Cups, I know that it could the the, the fans are known for this team being good. I mean, 22 years consecutively of the playoffs too. Let's not forget between two conferences and now, now this drought. So I think that's a little bit of a difference between the two as well, that if, even if, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong, even if the Detroit Red Wings are a few points out of the last wildcard spot, could this maybe be seen as a step in the right direction for the Panthers? I, the expectation is still, Make the postseason. You are in your championship window. It's it's a and and you brought in a coach in Paul Maurice to to make sure that you're continuing to to strive for a championship. And for for the Panthers, you went around, you get to the Stanley Cup final, and it's continuing building. It's not necessarily get back to the Stanley Cup final. Of course, that's the goal. But even if you are making winning a round or two, you're still building in the right direction to eventually, hopefully, lift Lord Stanley's Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Scotty and I have talked 
uh, at length about what would be a successful season for the Detroit Red Wings. And I think we're kind of in lockstep on that as well, where, you know, the goal is to make the playoffs this year. But if this team fails to make the playoffs by a point or two points or maybe upwards to like five points, but they're in it right up until the end. I think that's still a, a successful season because it's a step in the right direction. But this year, you know, you have to be in it all the way to the bitter end at mm-hmm. the very minimum. No uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, you talk about the, the hot seat situation. Um, maybe Lalone gets another year, but like I genuinely think that not that like the shine has worn off on like Iserman like being here and whatnot. And I think a lot of people believe in the direction still. Um, but if they go out there and and they put up 80 points this year, uh, mm-hmm. not that I, I think he's going to be like on the hot seat, like, oh, you know, like 20, you know, next season becomes like playoffs or he's fired. I, I'm not sure it's going to be that dramatic, but uh, I think if this team goes out there and looks re- very similar and finishes in the standings in the same spot as last year, that you are going to finally start seeing some pressure on this front office because uh, after this season, it'll, it'll, I mean, it'll be what four or five years already. So mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, this, this isn't like the shiny new toy of like, Oh, he's back and like nothing can go wrong. Cause this team's awful. Like there's actually expectations now. And um, the longer that they go, I mean, to your point, like it, it was such an expectation here for so long. I, I, I think the longer they go without that, I, I really think this year is important, I guess, is my mm-hmm. point. I, I think they to they don't necessarily need to make the playoffs, but I think that you need to be playing competitive, meaningful hockey until maybe the last game of the regular season. You need to be, you know, we, we need to be looking at other teams in the standings. We need to be standings watching for the first time <laughs> in half a decade. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it needs to matter uh, after the trade deadline. And this year... Um, after that back-to-back against Ottawa right before the trade deadline, um, even though they weren't technically eliminated until like whatever the last week of the season or whatever it ended up being, um, the game stopped mattering after those two games. Mm-hmm. And uh, you need that. You need to kick that can down the road and, and make games matter a lot deeper into the season this year. All right. Um, Armando, Scotty, do you guys have any final questions before we wrap this thing up? No, sir. I think you guys answered every one that I had. Armando, you uh, you watching uh, Miguel Cabrera the last month of the season here? We always end up talking about Miggy every time. Yeah, uh, I did watch him in that series that he came down to Miami oh, and nice. second best crowd of the season behind when the Yankees came to town. Uh, yeah, and even though the Marlins uh, lost two out of three to the Nationals, I was at the game on Sunday. Uh, nice. They have a big two-gamer against the race to hopefully uh playing fun ball get, man get back like, hey like it's great to be in the race ball. and for people on the locked on panthers uh feed scotty bentley is also the host of locked on tigers which is why we have this miguel cabrera conversation <laughs> in the first place so go check him out as uh as uh miggy is uh close to uh to leaving leaving the baseball world one month left man it's crazy all righty armando thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today and thank you for having us on your feed uh, yeah. since this will be on your feet over at Lockdown Florida Panthers as well. And uh, tell people where they can catch you. Oh, they can find me on, on X at Monoman12. Follow the show account on X and Instagram at LO underscore FLA Panthers. How about you guys? Uh, at Brian Fisher, WWJ. And our Twitter feed for the account is at, at LO underscore Red Wings. Uh, at Bentley Scotty. 
And yeah, Brian already said the Red Wings account. And if you're randomly a Panthers Tigers fans at Locked On Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Again, Armando, thank you so much. We will be, Scotty and I on Locked On Red Wings will be back on Friday with a new episode for you guys. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day. Every day.